Welcome to the New Yorker Festival. I have here on the stage with me Miss <laughs> Shelby Boyer. Cosplaying as Let me dream. run through some of her accolades really quickly. Oh, yes. She got please. her career start at Jill Grinberg Literary Management, where she was an intern. Um, then she moved on from there to Levine Greenberg Roston, another the time agency. Was just Levine Greenberg. Where she, oh, yes. Oh, when did they? They must like have a month up... after I joined. Oh, okay. I was going to say. <laughs> It was definitely the full name by the time I got there. <laughs> yeah. No, I um, was a pivotal part of that transition. And she left New York and uh, has done nothing of note since. <laughs> as, as people uh, who live in New York this are podcast, to do. Um, she's trying to bring Matthew out of uh, retirement into something more meaningful, but um, <laughs> he's yet to use this platform for any real change. Uh, but we're excited to see how his life shifts. Our four listeners this. have gotten a lot of, you know, we're <laughs> we're changing their lives on the daily. I did, yeah, of course. I should issue a, a, a statement, an apology to our listeners. Um, last week, when we were talking about, oh dear, what movie was this? Oh, West Side Story. Yes. Uh, on the podcast, I got a text from one of our listeners saying that I mixed up uh, Rachel Ziegler and Jenna Ortega, um, <gasps> which oh is gosh. not a good look for me, I'll say. Mm, that is a flub. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but also you didn't catch it on air. So <laughs> it's an awkward moment I... for us both. You're guilty by proxy, unfortunately. No, I just tune you out sometimes. You can't hold that <laughs> against me. Um, wow. Yeah, no. Thank you for your apology. Honestly, what a topical time to bring this up as we – as we venture into the world of cancel culture with the movie of the week, Tar. You know right. what? I think you should change your name to like Matteo. I think oh, that'll yes. really elevate your game. I like would Mateo. like to put a little asterisk above the yeah. umlaut, maybe above the U. Maybe yeah. hoof. Yeah. It's not half, it's hoof. There's not much I can do. Boyer. I mean, I could start doing Boyer. Uh, yeah, I think that's but it. she changed her first name is the reference I'm making. Oh, yes. You could change it to Sheldon Boyer. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll work. I don't know if that has quite the same ring to it, but I think Mateo is interesting for you, for sure. It, it's sort of... I it, mean, given your penchant for not recognizing <laughs> Hispanic people. <laughs> Dear Lord. Um, okay, we're talking about Tar this week, yeah. which is the Kate Blanchett conductor movie where she plays a, a con- an orchestra conductor, not a train conductor. Um, <laughs> and this isn't about Tar, the feathering assortment. This is Tar, the woman who uh, is not yeah. real. Yes, she's playing Lydia Tarr, who seems like a real person in the movie, I think. And people keep thinking that she is online, but this is actually a completely fictionalized <laughs> story. Um, yeah, so when I start, this came out, it debuted, I believe, at the Venice Film Festival. Yes. Um, it was not at Toronto, so I didn't see it until it got to New York. But by that point, I had already heard lots and lots of great things. The movie was great. The people loved it. The Cape Blanchett was, you know, a, a, a big contender for the Oscar up against Michelle Yeoh for Best Actress. I was excited to see it. Um, I saw it, enjoyed it, thought it was very interesting, and was immediately like, oh, this feels like something that Shelby would have a lot of thoughts and opinions on and that I would be interested in hearing those. So I feel like I started kind of trying to get us to cover this or talk about this. Um, But obviously it's not, I mean, it's been like a slow rolled platform release 
Um, it's been building steam. It's been getting more and more positive reviews and the box office numbers have been going up, but you know, it's still a small release, but I think it's worth covering because this will definitely be a movie that we're talking about for the next yeah. six months as we get into the award season and, you know, looking around at some of the other options that we had to cover this week. I don't know. This just seemed like one of the more interesting things that yeah. we could talk about. Like Enola Holmes 2, fun movie, <laughs> not necessarily a ton of stuff to say. Yeah, I think after our 200, 200th episode, we were like, ugh. I don't know. Should we add something bad to the list or something noteworthy to the list? Because <laughs> uh, there was a few different contenders we could have like drummed up. A bunch of things were just released to streaming, like um, My Policeman, The Weird Al, Biopic, um, all sorts of random stuff. But I was having trouble figuring out when I could clock out three hours of time to watch this <laughs> this movie. But I did it. And you know what was interesting is it wasn't a full theater, obviously, but there were like probably like 15 to 20 other people in there on a random Sunday night, um, like three weeks after it had come out. So honestly, um, impressive staying power. Like that's a bigger crowd than I've seen at some of these other <laughs> movies I've been to over the last few months. So I think that's a testament to kind of the word of mouth and um, yeah, entering this sort of uh, critical era critical acclaim era and like the award show circuit so i'm excited to talk about it um you mentioned it and your thoughts on a love it or hate it a few weeks ago and i was curious to see this movie um can you hear that rumbling oh uh kind of it's like that's the smoothie maker (laughs) We have the loudest blender on planet Earth. Anyways, just imagine it's the echoes of uh, women I abused haunting me. And uh... <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about like, oh, the echoes of like music in the orchestra chamber. Or whatever. But no. no, the women you abused. No. Yes. I mean, what's interesting about this movie to me, like first off is, and I talked about this a little bit when you first brought it up, is it's directed by a man, Todd Field. And I was reading more about him after seeing it because I was curious about the source material of this very like character driven piece. It's a very, I guess like overview. It's a very kind of detailed perspective on a woman who's at the height of her fame as this like famous conductor who's done a world of good and brought, you know, everyone loves her. She's about to have a best-selling novel, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it starts to sort of unravel. So it's a movie about her, uh, I don't know, are we calling it cancel culture? Are we calling it Me Too? I don't know. But something yeah. happens and the, the, the lights begin to dim on her stage. And she's kind of, we're kind of held at arm's length as we watch this sort of life fall apart. Um, and so I was curious kind of the, <laughs> how this came to be. And I, I wonder if you've read into this because Todd Field is the director and writer and producer. Kate Blanchett is also an executive producer on this, but he is sort of a C-list actor from years ago. He was in a few different movies. I know him from Twister. Um, but he also directed two movies like a decade ago, which were well-reviewed. I think they were nominated for best like screenplays. So he's like, you know, a respected writer and director, but this is his first original, uh, original work. And it comes out like 12 years after his last one, 16 years since his last one. Um, he wrote it in three months, about 12 weeks, he said, and it was because focus features came to him and were like, we'll just give you, you know, carte blanche. Like you, you write a story, whatever you want, you do it. And I'm just like, it's very interesting to me that <laughs> this is what he would choose and also kind of an, a nice wrinkle to the themes he explores in this movie, um, which is about like at the core of it, power and kind of the abuse of it or uh, the, yeah, the, the culture responding to perceived abuse and um, fallout therein. Yeah. I haven't seen either of his other two movies, which I, I 
like people who I know and who I respect their opinions of have said that they're good. I think one of them is a Kate Winslet movie um, that she was nominated for. But yeah, I haven't seen his other work. I didn't really know very much about him until this came out. Um, I think that I was, he said in some, um, or maybe it was Kate Blanchett who said in some, you know, kind of version of this, like the script was written with, her in mind like for her but sort of the idea that I guess he had initially was for a was for this story to be from like a male point of view and then at some point like had I don't know if it was like when he started writing it or before he started writing it or what but like so this had been floating around in his mind as like a male idea and then he had sort of like latched on to Kate Blanchett and once he realized that he wanted her to have it then that's when like the yeah. That's when he he did all the writing of it. Um, yeah, it is. It's always interesting when a man is writing a female-led story. Um, I don't necessarily think that that is something that can't work or that like shouldn't happen. Yeah. But also, we have definitely seen lots of times where it doesn't work well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like men, I think being probably one of the most recent examples of something that we hated. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, it's also interesting because Kate Blanchett in the movie is playing a lesbian, so there's also mm-hmm. like a queer angle of it, which I don't believe that Todd Fields no, is. So I mean, no. So yeah, there there are some kind of different, um, some different things that like uh, from the outset, like if you were pitching me this idea, like oh, a straight white man writes a story about a powerful lesbian woman who you know gets me tooed, I'd be like dicey. Maybe like let's not go with that. But I think that the movie does a real like is very nuanced and is very interesting in this like particular portrait of this particular person and Mm -hmm. it does feel very realistic and at least to me it didn't feel at all like um I don't know sort of like broad strokes paint by numbers um like we're just leaning into stereotypes kind of thing like it it all felt very complicated and delicate and complex so I don't know, whatever, like, kind of, I guess, initial qualms I had about that setup, I felt like the movie sort of, I don't know, was was telling a story well enough and specific enough to make me feel okay with that. I don't know. How did you feel? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a well-made film. I think it's obviously a well-acted film. The script is interesting, like, the character is definitely interesting. It feels a lot like, I don't know, it, it, it was surprising how it played out. Like you said, it's kind of a quiet, slow building film. Um, it feels a little bit like, like everything unravels very slowly and kind of at arm's length and you'd never get the details on what happened. It's very much stuck in this narcissistic, like haughty woman's perspective and that's where we're stuck at like every single scene is from her perspective she's in almost every single shot of this film and everything we hear about what may or may not have happened in her past is kind of filtered through her reaction to it so it's interesting that they never make real like statements about what did or did not happen what she did or did not do like is she guilty did this happen is she being unfairly accused like it's all kind of kept at bay so it doesn't follow your usual like plot line of rising falling action blah 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 you know finale it's like very much just this um like anxiety building kind of walk through a week of her life where everything just falls apart and I liked that. Like, I think my frustration comes when I step back from it. Like, it's not a bad movie, but I do just find myself irritated by its existence. <laughs> what do you mean? I think it's like, you know, there's layers to it that frustrate me. And I think part of it, like, big picture when you pull back on this like Me Too movement and the, you know, kind of 
idea that someone can be quote unquote me too. Like we're constantly trying to downplay the reality of the situation, which is that power begets abuse and that the, the spotlight will always be on the abuser and that we always forget the abused. And so even the act of being me too, it's not about the victims left in their wake. It's about who did what and what did they do in the salacious gossip of it. And this idea that a movie can present itself, um, as sort of a post me to critique that kind of leans into, Oh, is cancel culture good or bad? And I don't feel like this movie necessarily takes a stance on if we're meant to sympathize with Lydia or not, or more likely is saying that everyone contains multitudes and, you know, the gray is where we must learn to survive. But I just find it frustrating that, you know, in an era of movies trying to contend with this reality of the last few centuries, um, we have to get the one that's about a woman doing it. And I know that that's like a very simplistic reaction to a complex film, but I just don't feel like the pendulum has swung far enough to us being like, you know what? Women can be bad too. Like I, I just feel like it's easy to latch onto a cancel culture moment where the perpetrator is this woman because we're we've all been sort of trained to want women to fail anyways like subconsciously right like we're just constantly on the lookout to see how a woman will stumble or like oh it's too good to be true like she doesn't deserve this anyway like and to see a movie that's just like you know it'd be fun like let's take this this era of me too where we realize men are dicks with power and they've hurt so many women and people in their industries and they've silenced so many voices. And we're not going to talk about those real stories or even explore those patriarchal standards. You know, it would be fun. Like, let's take a lesbian and see what she does with that. And like, let's make it like easy to, I don't know, kind of shit on that because that distracts from the actual usual perpetrators in a way. Um, okay. I have a couple thoughts. Yeah. First, I feel like that I think the movie comes down very clearly on the side of that she is a bad person for what she does and in is doing bad things. Like I don't, for me, there wasn't any sort of ambivalence in like, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Like, is she misunderstood? I think that the scenes like where you watch her completely manipulate the, um, the sort of uh, like orchestra auditions to get the woman that she wants, who like she's attracted to like in a spot where it's just going to be her um, is like one very clear sign that she's bad. I think also the scene where she like falls down and hurts herself and then claims that she was attacked just to like get more, um, you know, attention is also uh, like a, a scene of it that, puts her like very clearly on the like negative side of things. Um, so while it's like, I think sort of ambivalent in the beginning, I think that it does if by the end you realize like, okay, this is like not a good person. And there is sort of like a little bit of like schadenfreude or, or glee in like watching her in the final scenes, like really sort of like trying to, uh, you know, deal with the like dregs of existence that she has left after she's been canceled for the things that she's done. That's what uh, I thought too, but a lot of critics, and that was interesting too, is reading the discourse around this film because a lot of critics are like, oh, you can't help sympathizing with her at times because she is the, you know, she's the only character we really lean in on. And they're like, well, I can see a little bit about me in there too. And it's just like, I, I don't know. That's There's... a weird critical <laughs> perspective then. <laughs> or like the lecture she gives to the Juilliard student. It's like, well, she is a little bit right type thing. Like I think, and maybe it is generational or kind of, um, you know, these are old white male critics. Yes, who are I could see that. Talking about this movie. Yeah. But that's part of the frustration is like, they are going to side with the details of her because this movie doesn't take a hard stance, at least in my opinion. Obviously, I see your point that there are these moments where it was like gleeful to watch the ending and the sort of poetic justice of it. 
But at the same time, I also was like, well, of course a woman would be, you know, publicly sent out in a way that we haven't seen a man sent out, right? Like we've watched the Me Too movement destroy careers, sure, but they come back eventually. Like it's like, have have we seen someone actually fall to the depths that she has? And is it interesting that a movie would show her falling without ever exploring the uh, gendered bias that would have someone react so strongly to her but to I, her turns i mean i did feel though at the end like we don't get to see what happens for the rest of her life like yeah. i mean she's she's off doing it she yeah. at the end she's off doing this like podunk recital in um where is it, thailand somewhere yeah. in asia um but she I mean, you can sense within her that even at the end, she doesn't really think that she's done anything wrong and that she's going to try to make a comeback. And it had sort of the feel to me of like, oh, um, uh, what's his name? The, the, oh, Louis C.K., like of Louis C.K., like doing gigs in random places and slowly trying to work his way up. I was like, this for me has like, in five years, we're going to get the thing where it's like Lydia Tarr is conducting an off-Broadway yeah. something something and it's like sort of a hullabaloo or like with Johnny Depp kind of in this Ugh. current mode with the yeah. Rihanna fashion show. So I don't so I don't think that she's like diminished any ne- more necessarily than the men. I So I think that yes, in some ways it is frustrating that it's like the people who are doing this most often in real life are straight white men. And like, even though we are getting movies, like she said, in like documentaries and stuff, it is frustrating, you know, to sort of like have somebody, um, you know, like to have a, a woman doing this in such a prominent way in a film. But the thing that I felt was most interesting about this movie and why I think it is important that the main character is a woman and also a queer woman yeah. is that I think that there is this very real mechanism of that the, the especially white men in power have where they sort of like pit people who are below them or in minorities like against each other and then create this like gatekeeping community where someone feels like that they have like snuck their way in and then they have to start kicking people behind them for some reason or another Mm. um like because of i went through such a difficulty to get to the top like that that means that i have to make it difficult for people behind me and i think that when you see you know, towards the end of the movie, how she started out like in the middle of nowhere and she changed her name and reworked her identity and had to like fight and fight and fight and do all of this sort of like, um, sort of horrible, like manipulation to herself and to her surroundings and to the people around her to get where she wanted, how the, the, the overarching power dynamic that these, you know, men had put in place like sort of first off forces her to contort herself into a worse version of herself in order to just succeed but then how once she is able to do that she she starts like going after people who are coming up behind her and and starts like defending that patriarchal situation like Mm. the scene at the beginning where they're at Juilliard and the students are saying well oh like we don't want to play I can't remember who it is like Mozart or whatever because you know he did all x y and z all of these terrible things and like why are we promoting his music and she's like well yeah but he like sure he might have done some shitty things but actually he was a great musician and like we need to promote him because he was a great artist and like we can't be looking at artists based on what they're doing in their personal lives like we just sort of have to you know accept their greatness and move on i think is something that you know, you kind of get like Stockholm syndromed into saying, or like you, you want to say to like impress the people in power and be like, Hey, like I'm cool. I'm not like these other women who are like bitchy and, you know, will ask questions. Like I fought my way to get here and I'm like better than them and cooler than them. And you should accept me how you shouldn't accept them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've seen that attitude a lot in real life of women, of gay people, of people of color who like somehow managed to work their way up into the 
top and then for even though the people above them have treated them horribly for so long, they have this weird like loyalty and fixation to that group that they're now in and not the group of people who they should actually be fighting and caring right. for. Um, and so I think that by making her a queer woman, you sort of add that element to the film where if she was just some random white guy, um, like it would have more of just a... Um, like, well, the powerful people beget powerful people and they're all horrible. That is not as deep as what we get in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was also interesting reading, like, their intentions, like Kate Blanchett being interviewed and being like, oh, this isn't about women, it's about humans and being human and, like, it's existential. Um, and they're like, oh, it's not a Me Too. It's not about this time. It's not about this. It's more, oh, it's, you know, the, she's like, I don't think this film is as being important. I thought about it more as being undeniable where it's like, sure, there's hot button topics that come up, but it's not about those things. This this is about an existential um, crisis. And like, I just, yeah, it's hard. Do you feel like all actors though give like weird oh, yeah, of course. things when they're in a, like I feel like I can only like half take what anybody is saying about their movies <laughs> here I'm like I'm like okay you it had whatever intentions and you yeah. believe your character is x y and z but like the movie is actually doing this and is actually yeah. saying this like separate of whatever bs you're spewing on the campaign yeah trail. I get that but like to have the director also say like, oh, no one's innocent and no one's entirely guilty. It's like, I do think of those scenes differently where she is kind of laying into that um, BIPOC pangender student and using her power to make him feel small, but also trying to argue a point that that this, I mean, that that serves in favor of many artists in Hollywood and whatnot. And like, I think it's interesting that, like, you know, this is the people who get to make commentaries about, you know, the moments of the day are the people who are already benefiting from the moments of the day. So, of course, he can write this sort of withering takedown of someone you feel is a little pathetic, who doesn't have a full opinion, who isn't quite sure why he doesn't like Bach, but feels like he must not like Bach. And, and it can be like, I, I don't know. It just feels a little self-serving for a white male director to be able to have this free-for-all like discussion of an issue and a moment in time, be it the cancel culture or Me Too or power dynamics, that hasn't necessarily impacted him so much as it's benefited him and not giving context to other to the other side of the argument because I get that it's from her perspective and we're seeing her own like self-importance, her own self-involvement and her own, you know, um, idea of herself falling apart without her really ever acknowledge acknowledging what she did wrong. But it does make the other side of it feel silly, like the Juilliard students and the fact that that video is the manipulated thing, that that is the lie. So she does have ground to say, see, they're just trying to twist my words. And and then on top of it, the goofy like protesters who like I just I guess I started to feel frustrated that we were so stuck in her head and didn't didn't get a glimmer of context or depth from her victim who remains faceless and um, even her, you know, attempts at grooming the new student or her relationship with her wife or her ever patient assistant who finally snaps. Like all of their choices are kept off screen, which I like recognize as a cool feature of this film, but it kind of left me frustrated of like, well, why did we need this film? Like, why not? It just makes me think of comparing this to The Assistant, which is that movie, um, you know, a much quieter, much smaller scale movie directed by a woman um, about an assistant going through like a week of hell with a Harvey Weinstein type figure and realizing the powers that be will not protect her or um, anyone that works with him. And like just the fact that this is just another movie where the victims are kind of silenced and erased and 
to what end? Because this movie isn't saying anything new per se. It's just showing a, it's just doing a really beautifully, I don't know, kind of created scripted uh, exploration of an abuser's psyche. I mean, I do think though that like, I think part of the, the problem with the, you know, abuse cycle and part of the reason why it is allowed to continue, which I, I do think that in some ways um, the assistant did a good job of showing is like that people just don't know that it's happening because like it's, it's there, it's secret. The stories get, um, you know, sort of hushed away. And then also they're, they are usually, they're not like the, abusers I guess in some cases are just like straight up awful horrible people who nobody likes but in a lot of ways they are kind of charming and or have power have some sort of charisma that like lures you in and that also they're able to sort of like put this glamour on with other people so I did sort of like in this movie getting to see like in those scenes where she's manipulating the orchestra stuff um like just how sort of like small and nuanced it like the attacks can be and the subtlety so that then when people are looking for that in real life you can sort of see more of how it's not like a big bad wolf that just comes in and it's like obviously bad from the start how these like uh these people who are doing these awful things like start in sort of small ways and do seem sympathetic in certain aspects and that they sort of like use that to their advantage to make themselves even more dangerous in the long run um yeah but it's the complexity of the abuser and the complete and the abused get no such dimensionality you know and it's like so even watching her get her just rewards or her dues there's not real like satisfaction in it because the other side of the coin is someone literally killed themselves, right? Like that's, that's, that's sad. That's a loss. Her losing her job. We're meant to feel like semi-gleeful, semi-sad. And like the reviews clearly show sort of a split audience reaction. But meanwhile, barely mentioned is the fact that a woman killed herself after being robbed of a career because of what this woman did or did not do. And like, and I think that the layer giving so much complexity to a character who ultimately led to such harm is kind of like, okay, well, I don't know. I don't know how many times we need like depth for the abuser, you know, like I just, but I don't think that, like, I, I get that some critics, I guess, were, have seen it differently than I do. Um, but I feel like, for me, it was less of, like, we're giving depth to the abuser to make the abuser more sympathetic. And more of, like, we're giving depth to the abuser so that you can see, like, exactly how this happens and mm. exactly how this works so that you can, like, identify it. That was my takeaway of it. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. I, and I get like, sure, every move, like, if you're a good screenwriter, you should be able, like, your villains should have some part of them that is somewhat relatable because, you know, if they're just like these cartoon, like, mustache twirling villains, then, you know, what's the point of telling the story in the first place? Like, it's not realistic. But I don't know. I felt like she was real bad and it like at the big because she's just like so hoity-toity and yes you can you get the fact that like wow she's accomplished these like historic feats but like the way that she sort of like manipulates the situation to oust the the other guy at the berlin orchestra the way she manipulates her wife the way that she sort of like tries to use her child as kind of like a bomb to make her feel better, even though she's, um, you know, doing all of these uh, horrible things in other ways and sort of like doesn't really pay them, like doesn't Mm -hmm. listen to her child fully, just sort of like wants her to be this, you know, perfect little creature, the way that she manipulates her assistant and treats her poorly and sort of says like, oh, like maybe I'll give you this position. Oh, no, wait, actually, I'm not going to give you this position. Um, Like, 
I feel like basically every plot of the movie, she comes across as doing bad things. Yeah. I don't like I there's not really a scene to me that is like, oh, well, but she was good in this way. And right. yes, I, I do get the I do get the like, well, where are like the victim stories? Like, why aren't we sharing those um, more, which I think is valid. But I also think that's a that's like sort of an ecosystem issue as well of like okay well in the grand scheme of like movies we need more of those but I don't necessarily think that that means that every movie has to be that because because I do think focusing on the villain and being like this person's a villain they're bad here's how they're bad is also valuable yeah I guess it's just interesting because Obviously, from the offset, you don't want to like her and you don't agree with 99% of what she does or how she responds to situations. Um, And I don't think you're meant to like sympathize with her per se, but it's just kind of interesting to sit with that and to think, well, why? (laughs) And I get your point that it's like interesting to see how these manipulations can play out and stuff. But to kind of your other point, which is that, oh, well, you don't always know you're, you're being, you don't always know someone's bad while they're being bad or whatever. Like it can be happening on the DL, but I think the problem is that people did know and weren't doing much. Like you could tell from the look of a lot of the orchestra members or the fact that when that guy was ousted, he immediately was like, oh, are you going to give it to your assistant? Like, we know you have an affair with her type thing. Her wife clearly knew something. And so those nuances are more interesting to me of like why someone would willingly just go along with this for so long. Like how many people knew and what- Because it's keeping them in power. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not- The thing I guess that frustrates me is that this doesn't seem to criticize anything. It's just putting a spotlight on something we all know exists. And I think that's what's frustrating is when a director who gets, you know, this free ride from focus features to make a- uh, award circuit worthy film starring one of the greatest actresses of our time he gets to tell the story and decide not to make any hard lines about like what she did or didn't do what is or is not right like how far should cancel culture go like do we feel happy do we not like he's just like there's just something so like (laughs) i guess kind of condescending about this existence where you get to be like isn't it fun to talk about this i mean it's like it's not you know I guess that I just don't have that same reading of the movie and what it's doing at the end. Well, because it's like, you know, I think it is intentional that he doesn't make hard lines. Like, we don't know what she did. We don't know, like, and the video was manipulated, so maybe the other stuff is taken out of context. Maybe... I feel like we know pretty certainly that she was having an affair with this girl. Yeah. And then they had some kind of, you know, falling out of, I guess that is maybe murky, but then that she purposefully like emailed all of these other conductors and stuff and said, Oh, this woman is unhinged. She's bad at her job. Don't hire her. She's terrible for reasons that weren't, that had to do with personal stuff or power dynamics that didn't actually have to do with how good she was at her job. And then that person felt like that their, you know, whole life and career had been ruined. And so they, um, and so they killed themselves. The, I, I, I think also like I watched this movie, I don't know, like three days or so before I watched, she said, Mm -hmm. which is the movie that's coming out about Harvey Weinstein. And so like that, there's plot lines in this that are all like of this, yeah. this assistant or is she an assistant? I guess the, the victim anyways, yeah. like her plot line is very similar to what Harvey Weinstein does to these women who are yeah. his assistants in that film um, of sort of like they, they left him um 
you know, they were abused by him. So then they left. They tried to get a job elsewhere. He like was obviously pulling strings, you know, behind the scenes because they were very qualified people who just like could not get jobs. In one case, the woman goes back and works for Harvey Weinstein again because he's the only person in film who yeah. will hire her. Um, so I felt like that part was... So like, I'm curious as, as like in the finale, right? Like once she loses her job, she has her meltdown on stage. Yes. Um, and her her role with the Berlin Orchestra, her piece de resistance recording this piece goes to this lesser man who really is not qualified or technically as talented as her or anyone else, uh-huh. but gets it because of money. The movie takes this sort of approach that, I'm curious what you felt because, yeah, it's like there is this part of you that's just like, haha, she has to go live at home. Haha, she's working for this band, this orchestra that's going to do live musical music for this cosplay video game. But you also have moments where her humanity is shown, like she's watching that video old recording in her childhood home and she's weeping. And it's like unclear what you're supposed to feel if it's like, Oh, that's sad. Like she really did just care about not that not that she deserved more, but that she's a deep person who just cared about the music and that was robbed, that was taken from her and what a cruel, cruel circumstance of her own choices. But then you also have that scene at the massage parlor where she seemed to only want to get a massage, but then was presented with these women she gets to kind of pick from for a sort of, you know, happy ending situation. And she goes out in the street and vomits and like what do you think that was about? Because I'm I'm curious your reading on that if you don't think this ending was meant to be a little bit more like kind of not taking sides. Well, I feel like the, I mean, I think that we, from the, from the scenes like where she is back home, yeah. um, we realize that she at one point like did just love the music. Like yeah. that's why she wanted to, you know, be involved. And I think she has a scene somewhere else earlier in the movie where she's sort of like talking about that with someone or another. Yeah. Um, it, it might even be the, um, the, the, well, the young woman that she's like sort of grooming. Um, yeah. But that, so I think that she, at some point, like in her childhood as a young adult, like did just love music and then sort of the power dynamics came later um, and, you know, this predatory behavior and stuff. So I think that when she's crying, she's, you know, she's she's wishing like, oh, like, I, I think she feels a lot of guilt mm. or like subconscious guilt is sort mm. of how I took the whole yeah. back end of like, she's seeing these home videos. She's remembering what it felt like in the, those moments in that success and how like, you know, how it was like before she sort of got tangled up in all of this stuff. And I don't know if she thinks that she's done anything wrong necessarily, but I think she still like longs for that pureness that she had yeah. early on. And and I think from my reading of the film, which is that this is all sort of about, like also about how like power structures like ruin these people on the way up of like, well, that was her and her like purest form before she had to get into the like male dominated sort of uh, hierarchy of at the actual orchestras and stuff where she then, you know, turned into a horrible person. But then the scene at the end where she uh, like goes to the massage parlor, I again thought of as sort of like a, like a subconscious guilt sort of energy of, she goes there and they're like, oh, like pick which of these women you want. Like these women are just commodities sort of yeah. a thing. And whether she like realizes that that's what she's, how she's treated other people or whether that's just sort of like a subconscious thing that's, you know, bodily working its way out. And she is trying to, you know, push that down. Um, I think, isn't very clear, but I, I took that again as like another sign of, oh, like she's obviously the bad person here. She's obviously the guilty one. And just, just because she's, you know, slightly nuanced and maybe did some good things along the way, like does not mean that we should let her off the hook at all. Right. Yeah, I can appreciate that. And like I said, I, I don't think this is a bad film by any, any stretch of the imagination. There's something like, clever about watching this kind of I don't know almost this like my week with Lydia Tarr and just realizing like oh 
things are going to go bad and they're going to go bad quick. Um, and I, I guess I like, I like the use of kind of hauntings that the director used where he never like showed flashbacks per se, but she was just like hearing things and feeling like she was seeing things, not anything like supernatural, but just like, you know, she was running and she heard a woman screaming in the woods type thing. Um, she was like, I I don't know. There was lots of things that were interesting going on, but I guess I just felt like I wish that, you know, with great, with great power comes great responsibility. And I wish the director or whatever had tried to give a harder, like moral message because it's like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like it took enough of a hard line and maybe that is just me. Like, Obviously, you felt like it was there, but... Well, even all the hauntings that she's had and, like, all of the... She's hearing screams and the thing, because it does, like, sort of at a certain point feel like, wait, are we in, like, a horror movie? Like, what is happening? She, like, can't sleep. She's having weird dreams. Like, there's things sort of missing. And I feel like all of that is, yeah, like, her guilt, like, subconsciously, like, coming on to her. I don't know. I felt leaving the movie that there was like that she was obviously guilty and that this did take a fairly like hard moral stance on things without being like, you know, a voiceover of somebody being like, and she was exiled because she was a horrible person. Well, yeah. But I don't, but I don't know. I think, I think that if critics and other people have, do not have that take on this, that that, I think says more about them and what they want to see in these situations. And maybe this is hitting a little too close to home for them. Um, Well, exactly. I guess it's like, it's sort of like, you know, this movie is being received well because it's just palatable enough and sort of strokes the artistic ego of like, you know, a well-crafted film while benefiting off of a, you know, spicy conversation starter, but maybe not having to really be realistic with its sort of, I don't know, exploration of that psyche. Because, like, I would have loved a movie with this being a man, not just because they're, like, the most common, you know, blah, 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 but more because I think the ending would have felt more therapeutic to see a man have to kind of (laughs) diminish himself to this like sad little cosplay event. Whereas with her, it was almost like, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I, yeah. (laughs) But don't you think that that's also sort of like the powerful part about this is like that they've granted this, like that this woman has like been kicking and screaming and, you know, like struggling her entire life to get to this high point. Um, Like in ways that if you were a man, you would not have to do. And then the moment that she takes a misstep, they can sort of like butt her out and that they don't, that like they'll continue on like the men will continue on they'll continue on like they don't matter they don't care like even the different sort of like the talent agent or booking agent or whoever it is that she like tries to call and it's like he's not helping her like these i i think it but again speaks to like the toxicity of the patriarchy that this person that how quickly she's dispensed of but i think this movie operates with the perspective that they're interchangeable. Like, I don't think this movie takes a hard line look at how we treat women versus men. I don't think that's intentional by the director. I think that's just like, I I don't know, because they do spend a lot of time focused on how she is like the first and has broken these glass ceilings and various things. It's not presented as if, oh, she's just, you know, like any old, conductor and just happens to be a woman like there is a lot of focus in the movie about how she is a woman and I and I took this like I mean I get my whole reading is sort of like a minority on minority yeah um violence kind of situation and I I think that that makes sense but again maybe I am just being too much of like an English major here and reading (laughs) uh like things into this movie that yeah like we're not meant to be there or aren't necessarily there just to fit the 
way that I viewed it. But I can see like myself as a, like as someone who did have to go through a lot of things to get to where I am because of the fact that I'm gay. But at the same time, I also understand that I have a lot of privileges because, you know, I'm white and came from a middle-class family and all yeah. of these things. But I could see a version of myself mm-hmm. who would, like, really be relying on the fact, like, patting myself on the back for, like, the the gay part and sort of excluding the other parts. And then you know, kind of telling everybody else, well, like, well, if you just worked harder, maybe you right. could get to the point where I am, um, which That's what sort you of tell is... me every day. Exactly. <laughs> and I, and so I, I, I feel like that that is a very real temptation for a lot of people and is something that I feel like I really consciously try to work against in a lot of ways. But I can see, I think that that is like such a giant, issue in our society is that the people at the top pit the people at the bottom against each other and that's how the people at the top stay on the top and if the people on the bottom would just like chit chat with each other that we could flip the whole thing over and I and I don't know I I think I thought that that was the message that I was getting from this movie yeah I guess the interesting thing to think about is that the director and creator of this film is at the top and so what right subconsciously is he hoping to operate like is he looking to flip the whole script i don't think so i think that's why this movie is like complicated and the complication is why it's so well received and enjoyable to watch because it's like ooh, what does he mean like what does this mean like what what does her falling and hitting her face have to do with anything? Why was she in an empty building? Like all these questions, what the, could they mean? And it almost distracts from the from the actuality of the fact that this woman caused another person to kill themselves. And yet we spend two hours dancing around that for other reasons to the point where we must feel emotionally at least a little bit like you know, sympathetic to the fact that she lost everything right before she got to do the one thing she's wanted to do for so long. The thing that she's worked so hard for was given to a man. And it's just interesting to see like the refusal to maybe not even just take sides, but to, I don't know, kind of engage fully with the, with the nuance required in these sort of things. Like I, I appreciate your perspective and I like that reading, but I didn't feel like that was, you know, there necessarily to pick up on unless someone else noticed it first you know and so I don't know I guess that there is a version of this movie that does spend more time on the woman who committed suicide and sort of that yeah dynamic and I do it is it is sort of hard to have yeah like the fact that this was written by a straight white guy it's sort of like well what what are your motives sir because it's like are you I mean maybe he is just like a good person who is like you know sort of trying to convey the things that I'm hoping that he's trying to convey but maybe he isn't and is but I, I don't know I felt like this was a I felt like this was a movie that like you get to the end of it and you're like this is why we have cancel culture quote unquote (laughs) is to cancel people like this i didn't feel like we got to the end of the movie and it was like uh well maybe we shouldn't be canceled but isn't the fact that the cancel culture just means getting a job somewhere else doing something you maybe not as into kind of the problem because well that's the problem with society like death it's like that's not a bad thing she's still surviving but that's that's never how that is, though. Yeah, like well, I know, like, but that's what I'm even saying. Can't, is the... I mean, unless you go to literal jail, as some of these people <laughs> of have, course. like cancel culture is not you're not canceled, canceled. You're yeah, you no, are just like slightly demoted. Culture. Yeah, but I think this movie is trying to make a you know a plug for cancel culture. I think this movie believes in cancel culture and is like, see, either she got what she deserved, or isn't it a little sad that she's here now? And however you fall on the spectrum doesn't matter because the real emotional plug of this story or any story like it should be the people that were lost along the way, be it the woman who committed a suicide, the woman who lost the assistant who lost her job, the wife who realized she was she was with an abuser and now had no spouse to care for her child. Like 
those stories are more sad and the the cancellation of choices for them is more potent and powerful than whatever ends up happening to Lydia Tarr. And so I guess that was my frustration is, yes, there was this moment of like, uh, sweet revenge, like the gleefulness of that final shot honestly made me laugh out loud and I loved it. But then I was also like, I don't know, is that the worst thing that Lydia Tarr can sit with? Like I... I get that I'm wanting a movie that wasn't ever intended with this film. And like, I understand that that just means, you know, another movie can be made. And I think it'll be interesting to see how this compares to, she said, to um, what is the Mennonite one? Women talking. Oh, women talking. Mm -hmm. And and kind of seeing the different angles of these abusive power structures and all of that will play out not only in the award circuit but just the general you know acceptance and kind of interest in those films so it's like good that these are being made and it's interesting that this guy chose this topic and I think it's like I'm not mad at this movie I just yeah I don't feel like I needed it personally you know yeah yes I can see that um so like on a scale of like one to ten (laughs) how like what would you rate this I mean, it's not like men where I just viscerally was like, this is disgusting and I hate you for making this. I would give this like a like a six or seven, honestly. Like, I don't think this will be low on my end of your rankings by any means. But And it doesn't give me the ick like something like Green Book. Like, I can see the nuance and, and attention to detail here and appreciate it. But it's just kind of like, I just I guess- wish a different... <laughs> I guess there is like a certain level of okay like of the of the movies we needed like how much did we need necessarily this story told by yeah. this person in this way like it doesn't feel quite as necessary as some other movies do yeah. um but I do think that it it in in its like sort of mission brief I think it like once it's being made, I think it does do a good job at doing what it's right. it, what it is attempting. I think it succeeds. And I think that obviously the acting and the craft and the directing yeah. and all of that is really well done. The score. Um, yeah. yeah, I think and- it's like the thing that gives me the ick, like watching it, I was fine. But then seeing headlines like, oh, thrillingly captures cancel culture and a devita- devastating spectacle of cancellation and her terrifying downfall it's like we're all focused on the wrong person here like and that's that frustrates me with these conversations where someone keeps getting me too'd and it's about them and not like what was lost around them and I think this movie comes close to having an interesting perspective on that but again it's at the sacrifice of the real victims yeah it's just unfortunately like the story of the victims is yeah, it's not as enjoyable Much, a film. Yeah, smaller <laughs> and sadder and less yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. Where yeah. these larger-than-life celebrities, it's like there's a lot more going on. Yeah, it's, it's juicier. It's like yeah. it is more thrilling. It is more terrifying and spectacle. And it's like, well, right, but I don't know. It's Yeah, there's not really a clear answer of what I would have wanted. And it'll be interesting for me to see, like, women talking because I think that is much more about the victims. But it'll be interesting also, segue to next week. Oh, yeah. We (laughs) are talking about Black Panther 2 or Black Wakanda Forever, I guess is what it's technically called. Um, coming out next week where I think that some, uh, I think we'll be able to pick up on some of these conversations Ooh. again in an Provocative. interesting way. Wow, um, Matt, what a teaser. I know. <laughs> there were some things about Wakanda Forever that I was like, huh, oh. about, and I will be interested to chat with you about as always no i'm excited to see it i think it'll be you know obviously a sad entrant into marvel but i'm i'm curious to see how it does yeah yeah i mean i think it will do well Uh, yeah of course i'll be interested to see like does it do better than the first one does it do worse um because the first one was such a global success. And also the first one did come out in March where it was competing against literally nothing for weeks on end where this is coming out at the busiest time of year. But yes. Yeah. 
something to look um, forward to. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think that's all that we have to say on tar. <laughs> We've talked for a full hour about it now. Um, but you know, this is why I'm glad that we chose this movie rather than uh Anola Holmes too. Ooh, like I feel paradise. like even though yeah. maybe not as many people will watch this and immediately over the next however many months when people do watch it, they'll be able to come back to this episode and listen yeah. in. So thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Um talk to you then. Bye.